Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen? Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank the biggest celebrity tonight, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for opening our eyes and entering into our lives, giving us the opportunity to have a relationship with God, permanent, that never can be lost or taken from us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Amen? Eternally grateful. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study here, one body. I also like to thank all the faithful people that serve in this ministry to keep this running, one body, many parts, right? We need each other, and all the people who support it. I'd like to shout out to the internet, people on Facebook, live, <clears throat> that get the message. Thank you for your continued support. We, you're all part of our family. We're grateful for that. If you have a cell phone, please silence it. And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly, loving, merciful Father, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity again, Lord, to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and to place your name above all names, Lord, even over our own, Lord, as you fight for first place in our lives, Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes and giving us a new life and purpose here, Lord. Thank you for letting us see all you want us to see by giving us your true word, Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes spiritually, Lord, so we could see what you're trying to teach us through your word tonight, Lord. Thank you for each and every one of us, Lord. Help us to lift and honor each other and build each other up, Lord. Never let us tear each other down, Lord, in the flesh. Help us to leave the flesh at home and come to church in the spirit so we can get the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Lord. And we pray for the people that can't be here, that have the opportunity to listen on the phone lines or the internet service that you provided for us, Lord, or the YouTube. We're just grateful for all these resources you give us to grow spiritually. And let everything we do tonight be led by your Spirit, as always, Lord, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord. The girls are going to come up and sing, and we're going to get started. You come me from the grave by name. You call me out of all my shame. I see the old has passed away, the new has come. Now I have resurrection power. 
great song, wasn't it? You have given us freedom. We have resurrection power. What are we free from? We're free from sin and our sin nature. We no longer have to obey our sin nature anymore. Thank you, Jesus. He gives us resurrection power. How's everybody doing tonight? It's good to see everybody. I'm doing better now. Whenever I get here, I'll tell you, it gets harder and harder, you know? Living out there. I try to do the right thing and live the right way. In the Lord. I have to come back here and get plugged in all the time. Because the devil tries to unplug us. Thought, word, and deed. Every single day. The closer we get to him, the more the devil tries to bring us back into the old sin nature again. But we know the schemes of the devil. And we're no longer bound by sin and darkness. Sin is no longer your master. Because we now live under the freedom of God's grace. Amen? God gives us the grace to be powerful and resurrected again. No longer having to obey darkness. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Now we just have to learn how to use that power. And not try to do it in the flesh. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. We're never going to succeed in the flesh in the Christian life. Never. All right, we've got a beautiful scripture up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Probably got to go a little further than 11, but we can start in 9. That's a good place to start. Oh, we can go to 8. <laughs> Change my mind. Keep the context of the scripture. All right, now it's time to try to stay focused, okay? Whatever whatever was the devil was trying to do with your flesh, just leave it at home. Leave it aside. Let the Spirit take over. The Spirit's going to be taken over now. It's going to require much concentration and attentiveness so we can receive what He wants to tell us tonight. Amen? Amen. Okay. Please be considerate of everyone here. Okay. Verse 8. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would have not crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. There's a condition there, ain't it? God has prepared for those who love Him. Just like it says in Romans 8, right? For those that love God and are called according to His purpose, He'll work it all out for good. But if you don't love God and you're not called according to His purpose, and you're called to your purpose, it will not work out well for you here. Don't think that it will. Say, thank you, Jesus, right? It's for His purpose, not ours. Now look what it says in verse 10. But it was us, it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Like I said before, we're reading the Bible now, right? From Genesis to Revelation. Now when you're born again spiritually, when you read that book, it talks to you spiritually now. You start to get the spiritual meaning of it as you keep continuing to read it. The first time you read it, it's literal. After you read it again, it's spiritual. And then you start to understand the literal turns into the spiritual application which we live our lives by today. Amen? And we grow and we understand these things as we grow. For the Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Look at verse 11. No one can know a person's thoughts. Any mind readers in the room? Everybody thinks they can read people's minds, right? It says right here in the Bible that no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. 
And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. You mean there's other spirits? Yes. There's the spirit of the world. How do I know if I'm having, if I'm, I'm using the spirit of the world? I am still living by the principles of the world. That's I'm following the spirit of the world. That's how you know you're following the spirit of the world. When you're following the spirit of God, you come up out of the world system and you start to learn the word system. That's how you know the difference. Look what it says. We have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So, listen, we have God's spirit and through God's spirit we can understand the things that God has freely given us. Like his, his grace and his mercy and his salvation to those that believe him. In him, right? But we also know by his spirit that those things are not made for us to go back and live in the world again. Because it wouldn't be in the same sentence about the world, the spirit of the world. He gives us the grace and the mercy and all the um and the salvation that we need to deliver us from the world system that infiltrates our mind. Amen. We have to understand what he's trying to do to us. That's what he's setting us free from. The system that's been controlling us all the time, all these years. And after we get born again, it still controls us. That's why we have to renew our minds and read the Bible every day. How's everybody doing with the daily walk, all right? Because I can sense more people are on there. You know, when we get on there, we're all together in spirit. You know that, right? We actually hone in on something together as a unit in the church, outside the church. And it shows power in the church. Everyone should be reading it together. Inside the church and outside the church. Amen? That's why it's there, right? Okay. All right. Is everybody with me so far? Now look what it says. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. We don't come from things that come from human teaching or theology. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Now, you can have... There's many people that do not believe in the Bible that read the Bible. But they do not get a spiritual understanding of the Bible. It's all literal and there's doubts in it. Oh, those are just people's, people say, that's not God. Those people wrote that book. They don't have any spiritual awakening. They don't understand spiritual things. So there's people in church that still read the Bible, but they don't understand spiritual things because they don't have the spirit either. Don't think because you're sitting in Bible study reading the Bible that you have God's spirit. That does not what it means. You know what the evidence is? Not what you read, but what it has done to you. That's the evidence that what the spirit is in you. Not what you read, it's what it's done to you. That's the evidence of salvation. What these words have done to you. And how they have changed you is the evidence that you believe what it says. You could read it a hundred times and not be saved. The Pharisees did it too. They said, you search the scriptures because you think it brings you eternal life. All the scriptures point to me. What's me? A changed life. Salvation. Christ-likeness. Newness of life. Amen? The Pharisees didn't have newness of life. They weren't changed. They followed the law. 
Pagan amen. That's how you can, that's how you know. Just reading the Bible does not save you. If that's all you're counting on for your salvation is because you read the words of God, well, let me tell you something. You are being deceived. You know what counts? Has it changed you? Has it transformed you? Have you become a new creation by it? That's the evidence. You ever have doubts? I wonder if I'm even... You think about your life and how it's changed your life. Then you know. Now, are any of us perfect? No. We all know at times we fall into our sin nature. But our sin nature is starting to get weaker. And our new nature is starting to get stronger. That's the evidence. Because if you don't have God's spirit in you, your, 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 old, your sin nature will still stay strong all the time. That's a, That's a fact. But when you have the Holy Spirit in you, it changes you. And it starts working inside of you. And all of a sudden, the things of the world don't mean as much anymore. And the things of the word do. Can I get an amen for that? There's people that are fooled by, oh, I just read it and I'm saved. No, that's not what it means. <laughs> and if you believe it, that means you're ch it changed you. Because you cannot, you live what you believe. If you believe that you're a child of God, you become a child of God. Can I get an amen for that? Please, don't be deceived. You cannot say, I believe and not become. You can't separate it. It's not separable. Okay, not only did he deliver you from the penalty of sin at the cross, he delivered you from the power of sin, and sin cannot be separated. If he saved you from the penalty, he saved you from the power. And the Bible says clearly, and we're teaching on it Saturday, that sin is no longer your master because you live under the freedom of God's grace. Amen? Sin no longer has to control a believer. And if it does, you have to say, well, do I believe it? Everybody thinks, oh, believing's easy. No, it's not easy. No, something happens when you believe it. Sin, not your master anymore. You can say no to it when you couldn't before. You want to live for God, not yourself. You don't, you're not looking to better your life. You're looking to better God's life and His church and do something with your life and become a new creation. Amen? It no longer becomes about you. It becomes about Him. He possesses you. You can't even do what you wanted to do anymore. He starts to take over. That's Christian maturity. Now look what it says. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand. If only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Now, do you understand what I'm talking about? If the Bible hasn't changed you, the Bible hasn't saved you. You can't separate a change from salvation. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves can't be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? And who knows enough to teach Him? Amen. For we understand these things, for we have the mind of? The mind of Christ. Amen? When you go out in that world, the mind of Christ is what's circulating in your mind. Not the, not the spirit of the world. Amen? He says He wants you in the world, not of the world. What's of the world? Following the world system. Following your ways. Doing your thing when you're not in church. Being selfish and self-centered. Do you really think when you leave here, God says it's okay now to go back to your ways? No. He says, no, you go by my ways now. You belong to me now. 
We know what the, we know what I'm talking about. We know the tug, right? Even though when we go our own way. That's an excellent scripture, by the way. It all ties in what we're going to be talking about. It always does. All right, let's go to the book of John. All I know is this. I'm reading the daily walk again, and I'm picking up things that I didn't pick up again before. Every time I read it, I'm growing to a level of maturity that God is revealing to me. I don't have to go outside the Bible to get an understanding. As I go to the Bible, God gives me the understanding as he sees fit when I'm ready to receive it. Right. Amen? Amen? Anybody who goes outside the Bible is trying to do it their way, not God's way. God teaches us through his word in his time. When we're ready to accept it and our hearts are open, we receive it. Amen? Amen. I don't need any other book in my library but God's book. Amen. And neither do you. There's a book, there's a library in there with all kinds of books in it. I never picked one of them up. Because why would I want to get it from anywhere else but by, through God himself? Right. What he wants to teach us. Yeah. And if I'm not ready to receive it, I won't understand it. Right. Amen. Okay. All right. Now, we ended, we're in John 6. We're not done with John 6 yet. I want us to um, go to... I want to expand on it. We started talking about it. I did read it, but I, want, I wanted to talk about um, verse... Why don't I go to verse 60? Remember Jesus was telling them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll never, you'll never have eternal life. And the people are like, what is he, a cannibal? How am I going to eat him? Because they didn't have the spirit. They didn't understand what he was saying. And many of his disciples deserted him. Remember? Now, the question is, when things get hard for you as a Christian, how many desert him? When things start to get hard in their life. When things don't go our way as we're growing spiritually. How many of us say, this isn't working for me. Let me take over again. I'm going to do things my way instead of wait on God. And make a mess all over again. Because God sees the beginning to the end. We don't know the, the danger of us making decisions outside of God's will. All right, so let's go to let's go to verse sixty, and I'm going to expand on it, and we'll go to we're going to start chapter seven. But you know, we're never in a rush to learn, are we? We got the rest of our lives to learn about Jesus. So if you didn't catch it today, you can always go back and watch it again, or listen to it again if something distracted you. There's no excuse not to get it because we provide it here, every way, which way you can get it. Okay, verse sixty. Many of his disciples said. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Do you really think Jesus doesn't know when you're complaining? Huh? When you leave church and you start complaining about your life and things ain't going, you really think Jesus doesn't hear that? Oh, he hears it. He hears it. See, when you grow spiritually, you understand that you're taking Jesus wherever you go, even in your thought process and even what comes out of your mouth. And then you will start to say, you know what? What kind of representative am I by me complaining about where God has me? Why do I want better? I want better than what God already has for me. And what do we do? We go back to Egypt, which is the world again. And then we find out, you know, that wasn't the way to go. And there's many spiritual casualties because of that decision. 
You're not guaranteed to come back. I'd rather just stick and stay because <clears throat> the Bible says there's we, the seasons, right? The seasons to build up, the seasons to tear down. You might be a season of a, a tearing down right now. God might be doing something, stripping your flesh or something. What do we do? We try to cover it with something to feel better. God wants us to take us through the valley so we can get us to the mountaintop. Amen? We have to understand the principles of the Bible. Now look what he says here. Stop, he said you're complaining to him. Does this offend you? Verse 62. Then what will you think when you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. So right then and there, Jesus is saying, you trying to get eternal life in the flesh is not going to accomplish anything. Your efforts are not going to ever get it. Now, how many of us try? You can read the Bible all you want, and I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to be good, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get this. And he says, no, it, it does nothing for you. You never get it. Because you're not doing it in the spirit. How many of us try to be better? Get up in the morning. I'm going to be good today. What happens? How long does it last? Then we say, God's not working in my life. No, he's not. You are. You just said it. I'm going to get better. I'm going to do better today. You know, you should be saying, I'm going to yield better today to him, to his spirit. I'm going to do things his way, not mine. Thank you for the power to overcome that. Okay. Let's keep going. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you don't believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. Now he had a lot of followers. They all said they believed. But Jesus knew which ones didn't believe. Even though they followed him. So don't think Jesus don't know the ones who don't believe. Even the ones that follow him. Because Judas followed him and he was a devil. So don't think just because you're following Jesus that everybody's a believer. You'll know my people by their fruit. What comes out of their mouth when they're in church? What they're saying? What they're complaining about? You'll know my people. You'll know them what comes out of them. If you want to know somebody's character, just listen to what comes out of their mouth. And you'll know what they're speaking. Spirit or lies? In church. That's why bad company corrupts good character. I don't care who sit. Look, when we come to church, we come here to get a message about God. We clear our minds. We clear the table. We sit. We keep quiet. And we listen to what the Spirit is trying to say. If somebody's disruptive and interrupting what the Spirit is trying to say, don't tell me they're from God. They're from the devil. That's church. That's truth. If somebody's sitting in church distracting people and talking and saying things while the message is going out, don't tell me you have the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of the world. And you're coming in and you cause discord and distractions. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay. And God will deal with it. Now look what it says in verse 64. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that's why I said the people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve. By the way, there was more than twelve disciples. As just says, right? Many. There was thousands of disciples. 
but how many Christians turn away from God when things start to get hard, when he starts taking things out of your life and changing you? Well, I'm not going to go to that ministry. I need a ministry that's going to let me do what I want and have Jesus. That's not God's ministry. That's a ministry, right? That's a synagogue of Satan. That's what it is. And a lot of people get deceived because they want their itchy ears scratched because they don't want to change and grow. Well, if you got saved, what did you get saved from if you don't need to change and grow? <laughs> it's a simple truth right there. What did I get saved from? Now look what it says in 67. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, Are you going to leave? Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe. He says two things. He says we believe. And then he says something right after that. And we know. Wait a minute. How could you believe and know is not the same, right? First you have to believe. And then you have to know him. It's the same, it's the two, it's two different things. It says, we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. How did they know he was the Holy One of God? The evidence of the miracles he was performing and the different person that he was. And now, let me ask you this question, as I was questioning this myself, as we were reading the story about Jacob when he wrestled with God. Remember? He said he's seen God face to face, didn't he? What did God look like? He looked like a man. How did he know it was God? What was different about that man? Let me tell you something. Jesus showed up in the Bible all through the Old Testament. Melchizedek showed up, right? Abraham, how did Abraham know that he was tied to him? What was different about Melchizedek than any other human being? What was different about the people that came into Lot's house that was different? How did Lot know that they were angels? How did they know? Did they look any different? Did they have six fingers? Did they have three eyes and a forehead? No. They looked like human beings. What was different? The way they acted and lived was different. That's what they seen. But they looked like ordinary human beings. You know, God can show up at any time in your life. You know that, right? And he doesn't look any different than anybody else. How do you know it's God? By the way, what comes out of their mouth and the way they act. That's how they knew they were angels. How did they know? There was no halo floating over their heads. They looked like ordinary people. How do people know that you have Jesus out in the world? How do they know that you're a Christian? Ask yourself that question. How do people know that I'm a believer if I don't tell them? How would they know? Do you ever go somewhere and say, well, that person must be a Christian? They're just nice and straightforward and kind, right? They're willing to yield to self. And they say, wow, they must be a Christian. Can they say the same about you when you go somewhere? Wow, he must be a child of God. That's how you know. That's how you know. Don't deceive yourself. That's how you know. When you, the way you present yourself shows what you really are and what you believe. Don't make a mistake and think any different. That's the evidence. And that's the evidence in the Bible. Because I was just asking myself the same question. Um, Jacob said to him, I've seen God face to face and still lived. 
Numbers, nobody yeah. can see God face to face and live in the Bible. Right? Moses had to put a veil over his face, right? Jacob wrestled with God and it said he won. Oh, because God, that was God's plan for him. He was going to become Israel. But he limped the rest of his life, didn't he? What did that mean he limped the rest of his life? He had to depend on God from there on in. That's what it meant. That's what it meant. That's why he took his hip power. He could no longer live by his own power. He lived by God's power from there on in. That's how he became it. That's how he became Israel. And if you remember how Jacob was before Israel, he was a snake and a scoundrel. And what was the evidence that he was going to become Israel? What was different? His life changed. Changed so much that his name changed. So don't think it's any different for a believer in Christ. Don't be deceived. There's a lot of people deceived out there thinking they're going to go see Jesus. Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Don't be deceived. What you, the way you act and the way you live shows what you believe. Now look what he said. To whom will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. How did they know for sure that he was? Because not everybody believed he was. Not everybody believed he was the Son of God, did they? They seen everything they saw. They seen the miracles. They seen him. And they still didn't believe it. And look what other manuscripts read. You are the Christ, the Holy One of God. Still others read, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And still others read, I like this one the best. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Because people think that, you know, the world thinks God's like dead. They think, oh, I don't, where's God? I don't see God in all this. Look at the world, it's a mess. No, it's not because of God, it's because of you. No, if you go back, no, God's not dead. He's very much alive. He's just unfolding his plan in the society today. Don't think it's going to get better here. I don't care who he puts in office. God has a plan. He's going to do what he's going to do. Amen? The only thing that's going to get protected is his believers. I don't care what's going on out there. And don't think we're going to get whisked out of here before it happens. Because we're already going through it now. The tribulation. Everybody thinks... Oh, before all that happens and God comes, we're going to get taken out of here. Really? I'm starting to suffer already for being a Christian. I ain't going anywhere. People deceive themselves, so you know what they do? I'm just waiting to get taken out of here. Oh, I don't have to live right. I don't have to honor God. I don't have to worship. When the time comes, I'm just going, poof, I'm out of here. Boy, you're in for a rude awakening if you believe that. <laughs> and then he says verse 70 Jesus said I chose the 12 of you but one is a devil see it and the devil walked with Jesus the whole time side by side with all the other ones who believed one is a devil so don't tell me that people sitting in church are all followers of Christ don't be deceived and Judas always, he never called him Lord and Master. He never did. And he was, being, he was still being sneaky and stealing money. While he was following Jesus, like Jesus didn't know. Right? Like he, you know, and let me tell you something. Don't think he doesn't know what you're doing either. 
Thank you. Oh, God can't see me. <laughs> Hello, God's in you. How do you mean he can't see you? Of course he can't see you. He knows you. He's in you. You're taking him with you wherever you go. Hello. I'm just a good sneaky Christian. I'm going to church, but I'm living my way when I leave here. And nobody's going to take that right away from me. I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Doesn't matter what I do. What kind of salvation is that? I never read that one in the Bible, did you? We just sing that song. You have given me freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from slavery to sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Uh, let me expand on it a little bit now, all right? In verse 67 and 68, after many of Jesus' followers had deserted him, he asked the twelve disciples if they were also going to leave. Right? Peter replied, Lord, Lord to whom will we go? In his straightforward way, Peter answered for all of us, there is no other way. Though there are many philosophies and self-styled authorities, Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. Okay? People look everywhere for eternal life and miss Christ, the only source. Stay with Him, especially when you are confused or feel alone. How many times do we feel confused and alone as a Christian? Stay with Him. Stay with the Word. Don't don't. That's the devil trying to deceive you by distracting you, saying, I'm not getting anything. Don't ever. Listen. <laughs> in response, in verse 70, in response to Jesus' message, some people left. Others stayed and truly believed. There's times people come to church, they hear the words of God, and then they leave. They say, I'm going to go to a church that doesn't really talk too much about God. They sing and they do other stuff, but I don't have to hear truth. And they'll leave the church. But you ain't going to get that here. You're going to hear the truth day in and day out every time you come here. So either you're going to accept it or reject it and walk away. <laughs> okay, in response, some people left, others stayed and truly believed. And some, like Judas, listen now, stayed but tried to use Jesus for personal gain. Many people today turn away from Christ. Others pretend to follow, going to church for status, approval of family and friends, or business contacts. But there are only two real responses to Jesus. Listen and listen good. Two responses to Jesus. Either you accept him and become like him, or reject him and live your own way, or for yourself. Two responses. Either you accept him and become like him, or reject him and live your own way or for yourself. Have you responded to Christ? You tell me. Did you accept him? And is it changing your life? Or you reject him? You can't say I accept him and go my own way. It doesn't work that way. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. That's heresy. When you believe it, he will change you and you will become like him. One way or another, the Lord will have his way with you. And you know it as well as I do. We all fall short. But we don't use that as an excuse to keep falling short. We use that as an excuse to get the strength and the grace of God to come up out of it and rise up with resurrection power. 
Can I get an amen for that? Stop living a defeated life. You're living a defeated life because you're living your life. Your life without Christ is a defeated life. And living your life for yourself after you find Christ is a defeated life. How's everybody feel about that? Pretty good? Who, who doesn't want to change anyway? Think about it. Who doesn't need to change? Think about, think about yourself for one day and what you think and what you do and how you act and tell me that you don't need to change. Or are you saying, they need to change. Or I need to get out of here. I, they need, I, need to, I gotta change my environment or my surroundings. No, God uses them very surroundings to change you. To get you ready for the warfare that's about to come. Let me tell you something. Those who follow Jesus know what I'm talking about. Know about warfare. Get attacked spiritually. And, God, and the devil uses people to attack us spiritually. And what do we do? We get mad at people. Instead of saying, that's just the devil using them to distract me. I need to pray for them. I need to get them to Jesus somehow. I don't need to run from them. I need to help them. Jesus called me to be one of his helpers. To get other people into the kingdom. And wherever he puts you is the mission field. Whew, you say, oh my God. My neighborhood's the mission field. Yikes. I can't wait to lock my doors. Right? Yeah. Well, who needs to go to battle if there's no battleground? Right? If we're all, if we're all living in a... Imagine if we all just lived in church together. Then we'd have nothing to fight. Amen. He sends us into the battlefield. And what do we do? We don't like it. Not making me happy. I'm going to move. And then go on our own way like Jonah. I'm going to better my life. I'm going to do better. And he says, no, stay where you are and you will get better. Not bitter. How many of us get bitter still? It's okay. It's okay. Listen, God's working on it. He said, look, I'm going to have my way with you. You're going to get bitter a lot if you don't accept where I have you. You're never going to get better. It's like saying that God don't know what he's doing when you get out of what he's trying to do to you. Amen. For you. So I'm going to do it my own way. Then now I guess we never needed a Savior to begin with. That's just what it tells me, right? Because let me tell you something. I don't get up every day and it's not all hunky-dory. My surroundings aren't always pleasurable. When I go here, when I go there, when I go to work, when I go... It's not always a great, loving environment. Does God say, oh, no, you're, you're, you're a royal Christian. I want you to get out of that environment and find a beautiful environment. Look, the only environment that's going to be beautiful is when we get to heaven. This isn't our permanent home. You go somewhere else, believe me, God will send someone else to do the same thing that he was doing to you where you were. He's not going to leave. He's not going to get out of here. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. And that means he's never going to stop working on us. Once you can make peace with that, say, I'm not going. Why do I got to go anywhere? He's going to do it here. He's going to do it there. He's going to do it over there. Why am I going to move? All right, let's go, to, let's go to John 7. Let's start. Let's go into 7. All right. So I think we got pretty much out of 6. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, that's a, that, was a good, that was a good scripture there. John chapter 7, verse 1. 
we'll be able to scratch this a little bit tonight. All right. Verse 1. Jesus and his brothers. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, All right, Jesus knew he was in danger not to go there, right? What does his brothers tell him? Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. They were plotting his death in Judea. His brothers were telling him to go there. <laughs> he said, Because why do I say that? Because it says, verse 1 that he wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Then his brothers say, no, you need to go there. What, so they can kill him? But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. This is his own family. Do you hear what he said? They said to him, if you can do, like they didn't see him do it yet. They already seen him do it. And they're saying his own brothers, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. He already did. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Why? Because they were raised with him. They seen him. They said, how can he be God? He's one of us. How could the guy Jacob Restel be God. He was one of us. Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. Look what it says. The world can't hate you. Why can't it hate you? Because you live in it. Look, the world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You just go somewhere that somebody's doing something evil and you go tell them right out you're doing something evil right now. They'll say, what are you talking about? Evil. The world sees evil as good right now. Go and try to tell the world they're doing something evil. Go ahead. Look what it says. I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going. Some manuscripts read, not yet going to this festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. Jesus teaches openly at the temple. Verse 10. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued, he's a good man. Mm. But others say, said, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public. For they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. How many people today or afraid to talk about him in public. We're afraid of people going to say something bad about you. It hasn't changed one bit. 
I'm a Christian, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I don't feel like getting persecuted where I am. Get the principle? It's still here. <laughs> Look at it says, for they did it, were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. You can get in trouble for mentioning Jesus right now, anywhere you go. Oh, we're not religion, not religion here. You can't mention Jesus. Who said Jesus was religious? Jesus is a name. Right? Because it's the truth. Once the, once the name Jesus is meant, everybody just calls it religion after that. But you can use Jesus' name all you want the wrong way. People say it all the time. They know him so well. People know Jesus well. How do you know that name so well? To use it that way. Because anything somebody starts to cuss, they say, they say his name. How do you know it so well? Because the devil is in him, and that's what he makes him do. Use that name to curse God. He's, they're possessed. <laughs> Look what it says. Verse 14. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? They asked. <laughs> wow, you mean Jesus didn't go to um, Bible college? How did he know so much when he wasn't trained? God trained him, that's why. And that's funny, I love that one. They asked, Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God, here it is right here. Look what he says in verse 17. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who speaks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. When you do something out there in the world and you honor God, you speak truth, not lies. When you want honor for yourself, you're speaking lies. That's what the Bible says. He needs to get glorified. When any good thing you do when you go out as a Christian, he needs to get glorified, not you. See it? But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him, how do you seek to honor him? Well, I'm going to work today. I want to be nice to that person that's evil to me. I'm going to honor God with my life today. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. That neighbor that hates me, I'm going to be nice to them. and I'm going to bring them something. and Welcome them into the neighborhood. That's how you honor him. Something that you wouldn't do in your flesh. You do for God. And that's how you honor God. It's called sacrifice. Remember David said, I will never offer anything to God unless it costs me something. Oh, it's easy. I'm going to go honor God today. Buddy. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor God today. I'm going to church and sing. He said, no, I want you to honor me tomorrow when you get up in the morning. I want you to be nice to somebody that hates you. I want you to honor me. Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> Look what it says in verse 19. We've got to 
close in a couple of seconds. I want to go through a few more scriptures. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. <laughs> in fact, you're trying to kill me. The crowd replied, you're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? They called God demon-possessed. You go out in this world today and represent God, they will call you demon-possessed. They will. That's how evil the world is. And don't think it's going to get any better. It's going to get worse. I don't care who's in office. People do not want the principles of the Bible in their life anymore. That's why churches are closing. They're making condos out of them. Don't get it right. Don't get it wrong. This country doesn't want God anymore. But he'll intercede on our behalf. Remember what he said to Lot? Remember he said to Abraham before he destroyed Sodom? If you find 50, you won't destroy it. Don't please let me speak, Lord. Don't be mad at me. How about 40? How about 30? How about 10? There wasn't even 10. They had a drag lot out of there. Even though he wanted, even though he wanted God, he still wanted the things of the world, but God knew his heart and he spared him and his family. Believe me. But they wanted to stay. Even then when he wanted to get him out, oh, there's a little town over here where I can still make some money. Can I stay here? So don't get it wrong. You intercede for this nation. You pray for this nation that God doesn't take his hand away from it. I don't care who's in office. You pray for them. That God touches their heart and changes them and puts him back on the throne again. Can I get an amen for that? That's a Christian duty. To pray for them that God gets back on the throne through him again. Nebuchadnezzar got, got, got back. How did Nebuchadnezzar get back on and get back on get God back on the throne again? Oh yeah, he chastened them, but then he admitted God, didn't he? He'll do the same for us. Amen. Please don't do the wrong thing and curse the government. God put the government for our safety. Right? As long as they're not making us not be able to worship God, we have to obey what it tells us. It has nothing to do with my viewpoints or what I think should be in office. God knows better than you do. He knows better than I do. Thank you. Now look what it says. The crowd replied, you're demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. We're reading it now, right? The law is not even out yet. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry for, with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Amen? All right, we're going to have to stop there. All right, so when we pick up, we'll pick up with verse 25. Thank you for letting me share that. And we'll get better. We'll get more on this, okay? The girls are going to come up and we're going to close.
Put them first. Can't go wrong. Amen. Let's see. Hi, Cindy. You want to close some prayer tonight? Amen. All right. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night until we meet again. God bless. Peace. No. Oh, but you said it. Yeah, you said it on the 12th. On the 12th. Yep, I said it on the 12th. We didn't say it today. On the 12th.